0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Elite Titans podcast. I am your host, the Canadian Titan, Ethan Jordan, and before we get into today's show, I just have to give a special shout-out. A shout-out to one of the Elite Titans listeners out there, Stephanie Perkins. Now, Stephanie, she is the leader of the ladies of Titans Twitter, of Titans Football, And today it was announced that she was the Tennessee Titans pick for fan of the year. Now, if you listen to this podcast, if you're active at all on Titans Twitter, you know Stephanie and her little adorable son, Nate, looks just like Josh Reynolds. I'm sure that's not related, but I am just so happy and proud and stoked for her. I can't think of another fan out there who deserves it. Not even me. And I wasn't eligible because I live in Canada. But even were I eligible, I have to say the only person who is more elite than myself would be Stephanie. So congratulations, Stephanie, on being the Tennessee Titans fan of the year. Speaking of the Tennessee Titans, let's just jump right into... Their 34-31 victory over the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. Now I don't want to toot my own horn, but I will. I believed in the Tennessee Titans winning this game all year. I always thought the Buffalo Bills were overrated. You don't have to listen to more than one episode of the Elite Titans podcast to hear me talk about how Josh Allen is overrated. How the Buffalo Bills haven't actually faced anybody of value. And when they did, in week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost. Heading into the game against the Titans on Monday night, the Buffalo Bills hadn't beaten any team with a winning record. Sure, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, but the Chiefs have fallen off this year. More on that a little bit later. They beat the Miami Dolphins, they beat the Washington football team, they beat the Houston Texans. They have a combined record of what? 3 in a million? Those are trash teams. And it's very easy to inflate your stats against trash teams, and that's what the Buffalo Bills did. They headed into the Monday night game with the number 1 offense and the number 1 scoring defense and a whole lot of good that did them, they lost. They lost in what I think was pretty embarrassing fashion. Josh Allen, MVP candidate, the second coming of Christ himself, getting stuffed by Jeffrey Simmons. You love to see it. I jumped, I screamed, I probably pissed off my wife. But you know what? That's just what happens when you're an elite Titans fan. So I just kind of want to go through the game. I want to go through a couple of players that stood out to me in both a positive and a negative way. Now, of course, Derrick Henry, it goes without saying, that man is the fucking truth. And not only as Titans fans are re-spoiled, the NFL is spoiled by having a player of Derrick's quality in this day and age, it's a passing league, and we are probably witnessing one of, if not the best running back of all time, Gallivant through any defense week in and week out. 143 yards and three touchdowns is kind of a ho hum day for Derrick Henry, but it's a career day for anyone else. In the offseason, or was it last season, Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show and he said something like, oh, a down year for me is a, a career year for another quarterback. Well, an average day for Derrick Henry is a running back's best day. He's the top running back in the NFL. There's, there's no more dispute anymore. There's no debate. Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey... Suck my nuts. Get out of here. I'm done with you guys. I'm done hearing that argument. I'm done entertaining that argument. That's not true. I love to argue and I will probably keep bitching about that shit on Twitter. But Derrick Henry's not in my players of note because he's great all the time. Let's go through those three. First off, I have to give a nod to David Kessenberry. Now, I think Titans fans across the nation. Across the internet, owe this man an apology. David Questenberry was a stopgap heading into the year. Someone nobody really wanted at right tackle, but he was fine to fill in because he did okay last year at left tackle for Taylor Lewan. And I remember, myself included, people being very critical of him after the Jets game. How he had let up, too much pressure, he he can't handle speed, edge rushers. David Kressenberry has, has done his job, and he has done it at an exemplary level. He is rated as one of the top right tackles in the league, according to PFF. And it's actually been shown week in and week out, the man does his job. Offensive lineman often get a bad rap because you only really notice them when they suck. Well, Questenberry hasn't sucked. He had one bad game and beyond that, he's been good. And I think Derek Henry and his success, while not directly related to David Questenberry, has a lot to do with him. There's stability along our offensive line in every single game. It seems like they're getting better. So the number one player I was happy with was David Kessenberry. On the second player, we're going to jump to the other side of the ball, the defense, and that's got to be David Long. That man was everywhere, all over the field, for the second week in a row. Now last week, there were some people who were saying that he actually had a bad game, he didn't fill his run gaps properly, he was terrible in coverage. Well this game, he brought the heat. He brought the energy necessary to keep our defense alive when shit was hitting the fan and and watching him run all over the field from from the one hash mark to the other it was just it was really nice to see because it's been a bit of a while since the titans have had a linebacker like that who just had a nose for the football who could sniff that shit out whether it was a a roll out to the left or a dump off to the right David Long was there, and despite having a really stupid penalty that wiped out a sack for Harold Landry, I'm pretty, pretty fucking impressed with David Long. So, the sun is shining on the future of Tennessee Titans linebackers with David Long and Monty Rice, who I hope develops into a quality linebacker, and it really makes you feel better about when Rashawn Evans or Jayon Brown have a lackluster game. The third player I want to talk about came in about halfway through the game, maybe just a little over halfway through. uh, Kendall Lamb. Now, Kendall Lamb came into the season essentially as a replacement for Dennis Kelly. We got rid of him, and we gave his... We got rid of Kelly, and we gave Kendall Lamb his money. And in 13 snaps which is all he had coming into this game, he didn't look very good. In fact, he looked downright terrible against the Cardinals in relief of Taylor Lewan. Well, when Taylor Lewan went down with a brutal, brutal injury, which turned out to be a concussion, Kendall Lamb stepped up, stepped in and, and did what a backup's job is and that's to seamlessly plug in and get shit going. Now, ironically, Tyson Brylo retired this year because he didn't want to have that next man-up job. So it's kind of funny to me that Kendall Lamb took the opportunity and made the most of it. He finished the day, I think, with only one pressure, and he looked more than serviceable in relief of Lawan. If Taylor Lawan does not play on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think the Titans are going to be okay with Kendall Lamb. So those are my three players who stood out to me uh, against the Bills. Now, i got to give a special shout-out, actually, to two other players. One of them is often on the terrible side of things, and one of them has been a bit of a laughingstock heading into the season. The player who's normally shitty and actually showed out a bit, uh, Jeff Swain. Jeff Swaim has consistently missed key blocks and gotten Derrick Henry hit in the backfield or missed catches and has just looked like he doesn't belong on the football field. Well, against the Buffalo Bills, he had not only a nice catch for a first down and a critical moment, but he also had a key block that helped spring Derrick Henry's 76-yard touchdown run. And it's not enough to erase all of the terrible play he's given the team. But you have to acknowledge that in a big moment, on a big stage against a tough opponent, Jeff Swaim showed out. Or at the very least, he didn't fuck up. And that's enough for me. The other player who I want to give an honorable mention to, Nick Westbrook-Akina. Now a lot of people joked all offseason about how NWI was going to be our wide receiver too, thanks to an article from Joe Rexrode of The Athletic. NWY, wide Receiver 2, we don't need Julio Jones, we've got an NWY. And we all had a good laugh. There was a time when it was a question of whether or not he would even make the roster with all of the talented Y receivers we had in training camp. But Coach Vrabel loves versatility. He loves players who can play special teams And Nick Westbrook-Akina has done that all year. Well, he actually showed up on the stat sheet as well today. Or on Monday, rather. He showed up with three catches, three crucial catches on three targets in the fourth quarter that helped propel the Titans to victory. And on top of that, he also had very important blocks and tackles. Nick Westbrook-Akina has been consistent and reliable, especially given the fact that Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are often in and out of the lineup. And I think it's kind of time Titans fans give that man a little bit of respect. Maybe he's not wide receiver two. Maybe he's wide receiver three. Who knows? So let's, let's look at the negatives. And to be honest, I had to stretch to find some negatives. Not because I look at everything through rose-colored glasses, but because I try and look at things in perspective. There are people who complain about how good or how not good the defense is, and I don't really see it that way. In my eyes, the defense has done enough in each and every game to win. And it's generally the offense's slow start that puts the team in shitty situations, that the offense eventually has to bail themselves out of. But the three things I want to talk about negatively all focus on the defense. So first off, Breon borders. I'm a big borders guy borders closed. I'm all on board with Breon borders, but in of v- to be fair, it is a very difficult situation to not only come into a game cold, but to come in into a game as the fourth or fifth option after a litany, a whole slew of injuries. So I got to give Breon a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here that he was all underprepared. But when Breon Borders stepped into the game, the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen attacked him. They attacked him quickly, they attacked him often, and for the most part, he didn't do a good job. He had an ugly, ugly defensive pass interference that set up a touchdown to give the Bills the lead, and he just wasn't what we needed. Now again, it's difficult to give him too much shit, because Breon Borders... Was an undrafted free agent last year. And you can't expect him to have the same quality of play as a Christian Fulton. But he was an ugly, ugly part of the game. Now, to his credit, he did have an almost interception that was jarred out by another person on this negative list. And he did have an actual very good pass defense in a red zone opportunity that Saved the game more or less, but we just need better play, especially if we're going to have a similar corner situation against the Kansas City Chiefs. The second player who is on this list, Jackrabbit Jenkins. Now, I'm a big Jackrabbit guy, I support this man because he is a Tennessee Titan and because he is essentially the Malcolm Butler replacement. And for those of you who have followed me on Twitter, you guys know I was a Malcolm Butler Stan account for quite a long time. So I have a soft spot in my heart for Jackrabbit Jenkins. But Jackrabbit was not particularly good. In fact, he was downright awful. He was the victim of a defensive pass interference, which was a pretty shitty call, if you ask me, but he was the victim of it. And he was the victim of a Stefan Diggs touchdown. And the most egregious thing that he was a victim of was a blown assignment. He blew the assignment that allowed Cole Beasley to socially distance in the back of the end zone. Just before half. And you really hate to see it. Because all week long, the thing that I was preaching, the thing that every analyst who covers the Titans was preaching, just no broken plays. No missed assignments. That's it. And Jack Rabbit Jenkins fucked up. Now, whether that's a communication issue, whether that's Jackrabbit being in what Teron Davenport described as no man's land, where you have to cover two receivers, whether that's just one mistake that we shouldn't read too much into, I don't know. But it was ugly. It was very ugly. And we need better. Again, given our cornerback situation. And the third thing the third negative thing about the Monday night game against the Buffalo Bills, ironically another cornerback, is Caleb Farley. Now it's not Caleb Farley, the player, who played his, who started his first game as a Tennessee Titan and had to leave due to tearing his ACL. No, the third thing that kind of pisses me off about the Buffalo game is the perception of Caleb Farley. The perception I'm seeing a lot on Titans Twitter of Caleb Farley being a bust, Caleb Farley being injury prone, or Caleb Farley just being all around shitty. What the fuck are you guys talking about? If you're the sort of person who woke up on Tuesday after the Titans beat the Bills, the best team in the AFC, and the first thing that you decided to say was, that Caleb Farley's a bust, The Titans shouldn't have picked Caleb Farley because he tore his ACL. Jared Stillman of Stillman & Company had to say, injured players stay injured. And that Caleb Farley's medicals were so bad, no team wanted to touch him, but the Titans did. Like, John Robinson was supposed to know, seven months after drafting Caleb Farley, that he was going to tear his ACL. I don't know what is in the medicals of potentially of draftees, but I don't think prone to ACL tears is in there. And it wasn't even the same ACL that he had torn in college. It's a different leg. It's a freak injury. It's a common freak injury, but it's still a freak injury that can happen at any time. So miss me with the idea That Caleb Farley was a mistake of a pick because he's torn his ACL. That's juvenile bullshit. And you should probably get the fuck over it. So, the last thing I want to say about the Buffalo game before we move on. Is MVP. Most valuable player. Now, heading into the game... Titans fans around the world would tell you Derrick Henry is MVP. But the rest of national media wouldn't. National media believes that it's Kyler Murray, it's Justin Herbert, or it's Josh Allen. Maybe it's Dak Prescott, maybe it's Lamar Jackson. But Derrick Henry is never in that conversation. Now, we all know that it's a quarterback award. It's a quarterback award because... No other position has won it since 2012 when Adrian Peterson won it. But everybody knows it's a quarterback award. Last year, when Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards, he didn't garner a single MVP vote. If you need any more evidence that it's a QB award, just look at that. But now... That Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans have beat the Buffalo Bills on a national stage and Derrick Henry rushed for 143 yards and three touchdowns. Does this put him in the national MVP conversation? And I think it has to. If Derrick Henry keeps this pace up, not only will he rush for 2,000 yards again, he will crush the single-season rushing record. He will match the single-season touchdown record for, for running backs, obviously not for quarterbacks. He will crush the single-season yards from scrimmage record. Derrick Henry is a Hall of Famer. Derrick Henry is having a legendary season through six weeks. And as every Titans fan will tell you, he gets better as the year goes on. So if we can assume that when Derrick Henry hits November and December that he is going to get bigger and stronger and faster while defenses get more tired. I got to be honest, I can see Derrick Henry breaking 2300 yards on the season. I can see Derrick Henry breaking 2000 yards by week 16 or Week 17, I can see Derrick Henry crushing the single-season rushing record and obliterating the possibility of anybody else ever catching him. What we are witnessing is legendary. It's insane, the kind of performances that Derrick Henry is putting in week in and week out, and it's mundane to Tennessee Titans fans. And that's insane. That's remarkable that we can watch 143 rushing yards and three touchdowns and just think, well, yeah, that's Derrick Henry. We're spoiled. And I fucking love it. So, Derrick Henry is the MVP. You heard it here first on the Elite Titans podcast. So, now I want to jump into the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to pack a lot into this episode because, to be honest, I'm just too fucking hype off of that victory on Monday. The Kansas City Chiefs are overrated. They're 3-3 right now, and if the playoffs were to start today, they wouldn't even be in them. I've been saying for a long time that I don't think the Chiefs are that good. I think Patrick Mahomes is wildly overrated. Now, that's not to say that he's not good. That's not to say that he's not a top five quarterback, a top three quarterback, maybe even a top two quarterback in the league right now, or in terms of talent. But people have this perception that if you were to put Pat Mahomes on the Jets, the Jets are suddenly a Super Bowl team. Or that if Pat Mahomes retired right now, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. No, no. Stop. Stop being prisoners of the moment. Patrick Mahomes is a very talented quarterback who more often than not makes really stupid decisions that work out in his favor. More often than not, you'll see Pat Mahomes run back 20 yards, throw the ball across his body 60 yards for a 20-yard completion. When he could just stay in the pocket, not create his own pressure, and, I don't know, complete a pass like a normal fucking quarterback? Now, maybe I'm a little bit biased. Maybe my heart still hurts from the 2019 AFC Championship game. But, I don't know. Not that I'm not sold on Pat Mahomes, but I'm not scared of Patrick Mahomes his razzle dazzle his magician shit his sidearm jumping back flipping no look passes i don't care because the kansas city chiefs are 3 and 3 the kansas city chiefs are among the bottom of their division i don't give a shit about them they're just another opponent for derrick henry to run the fuck over So I'm going to go over my keys, my keys to victory for this game. Now I have six, something to three for the Kansas City Chiefs offense, three for the Tennessee Titans offense. And let's start with the Chiefs. The number one thing, got to pressure Pat Mahomes. Now I know that sounds obvious because what quarterback likes pressure? But when you pressure Pat Mahomes and you pressure him properly and you keep him contained, he's not very good. He makes a lot of stupid mistakes trying to put the entire team on his back. And this year, those mistakes have been resulting in interceptions, resulting in turnovers. In previous years, you would see him make a bunch of stupid decisions and they would result in dropped interceptions. Or miraculous catches and with the issues on the Tennessee Titans secondary namely our cornerbacks our front seven our front four specifically are really going to have to get home pressure and scare Pat Mahomes into making some of these stupid decisions this is going to be a big game for Harold Landry and for Bud Dupree for Jeff Simmons and for Danico Autry to generate the kind of pressure that they have been generating all season long. And the Chiefs' offensive line isn't particularly good. They may look pretty good because, once again, Pat Mahomes can run away from everything. But they're not full of proven studs. And I think this will be an interesting game for Tennessee Titans fans because on that Kansas City Chiefs' offensive line, as a particular player that a lot of Titans fans wanted to draft in Trey Smith. It'll be interesting to see how he handles the ferocious front of the Tennessee Titans. The second key to victory is to continue the bend-don't-break defense that we have seen and that we did see against the Buffalo Bills. Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense, they're going to get yards. They're going to score some points. They're going to move all up and down the field. Please prepare yourself for that. There's nothing I hate more than when a quarterback completes a pass and I look on Twitter and someone goes, this defense sucks. Fucking fire Shane Bowen. Fucking get Jack Rabbit out of there. Stop. Completions happen. Big plays happen. Touchdowns are scored in almost every game, and that's not proof that a defense is bad. So what needs to happen is exactly what happened against the Buffalo Bills, particularly on the first two drives. Hold them to field goals. Generate some turnovers whenever you can, because Tyree Kill is going to score a touchdown more than likely. So is Travis Kelsey. Maybe Pat Mahomes does some freak show run and Rashawn Evans doesn't tackle him and he scores a touchdown there too. It's going to happen. And the casual fans on Titans Twitter are going to panic. But you know what's also probably going to happen? The Titans are going to get a stop. They're going to hold the Chiefs to a couple field goals. They're going to give the Tennessee Titans offense an opportunity to win the game the exact same way they've done it Every single week. So bend, don't break, and just keep doing the jobs that you've been doing all year long. And the last key to victory, and this is my expert elite opinion, just back up. That's how you stop the Chiefs, because they don't have a particularly scary running game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out for this game on Sunday, I'm fairly certain, and they don't they don't have a running back to be scared of. Pat Mahomes probably generates some rushing yards on scrambles, but with the, just like the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans are going to stuff the non existent running game of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills didn't rush for over 100 yards for the first time in God knows how long because they don't have a run game. The Chiefs don't have a run game. So let the front four worry about the non-existent running game, worry about pressuring Pat Mahomes, and just have the secondary, Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker, and whatever people we decide to have from the practice squad as corners and just tell them, hey, back up. Double Tyree Kill, or or sorry, double Travis Kelsey, bracket Tyree Kill, back up, let Pat Mahomes try and beat you with Josh Gordon's high ass and Oh, Me, Cole Hardman. Mm, I think they're going to be fine. So those are the three keys to the stopping the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Now let's look at the three keys for the Tennessee Titans offense. And these three keys are the same three keys pretty much week in and week out. Give the ball to Derrick Henry. Now I know that is a very deep and nuanced opinion. Not a lot of people would think to do that. But the Kansas City Chiefs defense is historically bad. One of the worst defenses in NFL history through the first six weeks of the season. They are, I believe, the 28th or 29th ranked run defense and probably the 30th or 31st overall defense. So they are going to do everything they can to stop Derrick Henry. And it's not going to work. Derrick Henry averages over 100 yards while facing the Kansas City Chiefs. And I expect a huge game from him on Sunday. My fantasy teams expect a huge game from him, but the real life Tennessee Titans are absolutely expecting a huge game. He only had 20 carries against the Buffalo Bills, ran for 143 yards. Let's see what he can do with 25 carries, 30 carries against this shitty defense. I would love to see it, and I would love to see Daniel Sorensen, one of the DBs for the Chiefs, trying to tackle Derrick Henry in the open field. And I'm a big Sorensen guy. I think he's an unsung hero on that team, usually. But this year, that defense fucking sucks, and I am looking forward to watching the King run all over them. The second key, once again, very obvious, Utilize play action. We got to see, especially in the second half, some of the plays that have made this offense so terrifying over the last two years. Play action pass hit A.J. Brown wide open over the middle because those linebackers are cheating up every play to stop Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown, recovering from the shits, had 91 yards, I believe, all in the second half because we finally started hitting that play-action pass dig right over the middle. And I think that, that whether or not Julio Jones plays, Julio Jones did get injured towards the end of the game, that play, that play-action to A.J. Brown is going to be open. I swear it's open every single time they run it. We're going to need a lot of that. To spell Derrick Henry a little bit. Because once again, the Chiefs are going to do everything in their power to stop Derrick Henry. So, step one. Run the ball Derrick Henry. Step two. Play action pass throw to A.J. Brown. Step three. Protect Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, heading into last week, was sacked 20 times, most in the NFL. And against the Buffalo Bills, he was sacked zero times. And this is a Buffalo Bills defense that sacked Patrick Mahomes. I actually don't have the numbers, but they sacked him at least a few times because Gregory Rousseau was the defensive player of the week last week. He did jack shit against the Titans. Ryan Tannehill was sacked zero times against the Bills, and we need that exact same performance from the offensive line Against the Chiefs on Sunday. It's, it's a short week. And bodies need to heal. But the main goal. The idea. Of protecting Ryan Tannehill. Stays the same. Because this Chiefs defense is so shit. This is a perfect opportunity. For Ryan Tannehill. To have another elite performance. Because this year he hasn't actually been that good. Yeah, He hasn't been terrible, his stats are pretty ho-hum, but he hasn't been the elite, efficient Ryan Tannehill that we are used to seeing. And I'm hoping that after not getting sacked and barely getting hit against the Bills, he's going to start to calm down in the pocket. He's going to start to trust the front line as he had for the first two years here because he clearly doesn't trust them yet. Ryan Tannehill was the most sacked quarterback in the league heading into the Bills game. I'm not sure if those numbers are the same now. Maybe he still is the most sacked. I'm just hoping that not getting sacked against the Bills gives him a little bit more confidence to stand in the pocket and hit some deep shots, because I would love to see some deep shots to A.J. Brown, to Julio Jones against this terrible defense. So those are the three keys. And I would like to give you today what my prediction is. Now, I did say the Tennessee Titans were going to beat the Buffalo Bills, and I was right. And I'm saying that the Tennessee Titans are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and I expect to be right. My final score prediction, Tennessee Titans 42, Kansas City Chiefs 27. I don't think this game is going to be close. I think it'll be high scoring, but I think the game will be well in hand midway through the fourth quarter, and we'll just give the ball to Derrick Henry and let him rack up some stats. It's not that I don't have respect for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think they fucking suck. That's going to do it for me today, guys. If you listened all the way through, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you. Once again, I want to give a shout out to Stephanie Perkins, NFL Tennessee Titans fan of the year. I want to give a shout-out to you specifically for listening, and I want to give a shout-out to me for actually recording this podcast. I am your host, Ethan Jordan. This has been the Elite Titans Podcast, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Canadian underscore Titan. You can follow the podcast at Elite Titans Pod, and remember, Elite Titans listeners, I'm not a homer. I'm just an Elite Titans fan. Tighten up, fuck the Chiefs, and I'll see you next week.